Blog Talk Radio. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. I was here and we were connecting from before last Wednesday. Anyway, I have had a very intense week, a lot going on. And if you recall last time, I did say I wasn't too sure just how organized I would be, that these things would be a little bit haphazard. And that could certainly describe the process of my getting a show together for today. I planned the to, to work on it this morning, and I did. I did some good work on it, pretty close to being ready, and then I got a phone call, important one, someone we did playing phone tag, and we had some important stuff to go over. So I didn't finish completely, but I know all the information. I don't think I'm going to have a problem, but you're going to find it fascinating. This today is going to be fascinating. Last week I said, you know, I don't sensationalize things, and I don't, uh, but sometimes they're, the things are just sensational all on their own, and they're going to be a couple of things today that you are going to be astounded about. I am going to talk more about Jane and Company and get into more of the information, and some of the information is going to be about soul aspects, and it is a topic I have never discussed. Sometimes in the amalgamation process, I'll say we we're going to send the pure soul essence light through the totality, the soul process, known and unknown. And I sometimes even say, and there's a lot more about your soul process you don't know, but that doesn't matter. Well, today you're going to learn about the soul and how the soul works in ways you've not heard about. Um, <clears throat> so that's fascinating in itself. But so before, But before I get there, I just want to review a little bit. As you recall, my, my assistant did quit unexpectedly, and I certainly expect that this is opening up a new phase for me, which is what happened when my first assistant quit unexpectedly. And each phase is great and happy and perfect. So it's, you know, it's been great, but I'm still going through a lot of the homework to get to know what to do and all that. My son is helping me. But he works, you know, a good 50 hours a week anyway, and he doesn't live close. So he can only be over here a few hours a week. So if I'm a little behind on stuff, you know, you'll understand. Uh, but And he's got to get up and running, too, because he's, you know, he doesn't know my stuff. Uh, but he's learning fast. I will not be on every single Wednesday because I'm going to be doing quite a bit of travel traveling. Uh, there's at least one Wednesday in September I won't be on. Then again in November, October, November, I'm not sure because my daughter is having a baby and I will be going to uh, Houston where she is to be there. And it's all things exciting. And then I'll probably go back over the holidays, over the Christmas, uh, December holidays in, um, to, to be there with, with her family. So there's going to be times I'm just not going to be on. I don't know how to make it look like it's going to be a dark show, but if I'm, I'm just not on, that'll, that's why. 
Uh, hopefully it'll get figured out and I'll be able to post. There's no show this week, but right now, um, don't think I've disappeared if I'm not on. I just it's because I haven't figured that part out yet. Uh, there's just so much to figure out, so it's a, a matter of priority too. Anyway, um, I'm also hoping to get stuff going on YouTube again. My son is going to help with that on this weekend when he comes over. So we're we're slowly moving out, getting things done. I also took on another project that I thought was going to be relatively small, and it turned out it is huge. And so it has been eating up a huge amount of my time, and I'm so happy to do the project. It is unrelated to this work. <clears throat> it is an accounting-related uh, project because I had a pr- prior – phase in my life for 20 years. I was worked as a business in business management. I had my own company, did account, all sorts of accounting type things. And so I'm trying to help a friend out. And I thought it was going to be something not too demanding. And it turns out it, it's really large. It's just a temporary thing. Though. So once I get running up to speed, the accounting program, uh, the accounting uh, system, uh, it will be just fine. It's just getting it up to speed. It's, it's been a bigger job than I had anticipated. So I've been one busy camper, as most everybody out there is. We all seem to get busier and busier these days. It's all good. I'm very happy. I wake up happy every day, but I sit down and I just put my nose to the grindstone because it's, it's a temporary situational thing, two things sort of on top of each other. But I'm so excuse me for not being completely organized with the show. Uh, but I'm so excited. I love the show. And it's not that I don't want to do it because if I didn't, I would just cancel it temporarily. But I do. I love the show. Okay. Let me give you, before I go on, I did a healing last week for someone named Ernesto. If you listen to the call, he was concerned because he just kept drinking drinks. First it was Coke, then it was coffee. Uh, that were both sweet and had caffeine. And he said, you know, he feels like he's addicted. He'd be drinking six, eight Cokes a day. Then he switched from that to coffee, the coffee drinks, and he calls them coffee milkshakes. And I love the issue because don't we all have some things? I mean, it wasn't drugs or alcohol. He's not to that extreme, but don't we all have things that distract us from life because, or keep us less healthy than we could be or whatever, because we do too much of it. And we got to learn moderation. And so I worked on him and I, I got some feedback from him. And so he, he didn't listen live because he works during my show, but he listened to it later. And he first told me that when he was listening to the show, so many things were coming up for him, but he's going through the healing, even though he's listening to the archive show, he's going through the healing as if it is uh He's doing it right in the moment because that's fine. You don't have to listen live. The archive show is also in the moment, so you can use it over and over again. So anyway, he said he kept thinking of things to, to give me feedback, and then but then the next thing would come up, and, he couldn't, and he'd lose track of the first thing he wanted to tell me. And by the end of the healing, he lost all the things he wanted to tell me, and he kind of felt bad about it, but, um, but he also thought this may be true for a lot of the other listeners and it absolutely is true and this is why there are times where I do a healing for somebody in my my video t- uh, radio show all the healings I did the I, I do believe except for one person nobody actually felt 
gave me any feedback in the moment. But I heard from each one of them later, they listened to the show again and they were reminded of stuff and they came back to me later and said, oh, by the way, I don't know if each one of them, but I did hear from several. Um, you were right on in this and I really felt movement there or here, or, you know, whatever they said. So I wrote Ernesto back and said, you know, it's normal for everyone like that. So no worries. Um, but he did remember a couple things. So this is what he shared. The one thing I absolutely resonated with was the fact that I'm being more patient. It's interesting that this is coming up for me lately, and I settled in simply going with the flow. I don't know if you listened to last week's healing, but one of the things was that he had developed this idea, if I recall correctly, that he just kind of accepted where he was. And the whole idea was he's just going to be patient. He's just going to be patient. I don't remember exactly how it went, but being patient was not a good thing. It was not a good thing at all because when we just are patient, then situations and conditions come in, we draw them in that require our patience. So you're developing a belief system that is actually, actually drawing in things that will validate and intensify and entrench that belief system. So being patient, unquote, for him and for all of us it is, is equally uh, something that we want to neutralize as being impatient. We want to stand in the center of neutrality. And this way we're not going to be drawing in things that activate whatever. Um, so he says uh, he had just, he'd been going with the flow he realized that. He even thought of it before, and he said, I decided I needed more patience and that I needed just to wait for things to happen. Well, this is this is the pattern. This was the belief system he had, and that's what we cleared last week. But it was he knew, I mean, he had it in his conscious mind because that's what he'd been thinking. He said, just like you said during the healing, this is not necessarily the best approach. <laughs> However, now I find myself trying not to be too patient or impatient. It's difficult trying to find a balance, and I now feel that I am more neutral. I'm constantly debating if I should be pushier or not regarding my life situation. And I did write him back, and I said, it's hard to know at the conscious mind level. Just continue to neutralize the patience and the impatience, and moving into the balance, moving into that neutrality will happen of its own accord. You won't have to figure it out. And so I wrote that back, and that's really true for just about any pattern. Um, and then he said, I have also noticed I'm slowly taking more charge of certain aspects of my life rather than just staying in the background. Staying in the background was another pattern he had. I don't remember all the details. So I know I'm not giving too many details about this or the healing in general, but again, I don't recall some points that came up and I wanted to share. So he's going to listen to the healing again, he said, and he will get back to me if anything more comes up. But um, so anyway, that was his his response, and I think it's pretty normal for all of you there uh, out there. When you go through these things, it is hard to remember or to hold on to the things, especially if it's a pattern, something that isn't fully in the conscious mind. If you've been actually thinking things, the things he remembered were the things, you know, that he was actually thinking about being in the background and, you know, waiting for things to happen and being more patient. He actually had those thoughts. So that was the easiest part for him to remember. But, you know, sometimes when I'm doing soul level stuff, 
you might resonate with what I say at some level, but they, it hadn't been part of your consciousness. So it's harder to remember that part. So anyway, that's it. Um, Ernesto, and I thank him again and again and again for, you know, and for bringing in that idea to the healing, because I think it's great for all of us uh, to tackle those things, even though it may not be exactly the same issues that he had with the sugary and caffeine drinks. Anyway, um, so that was Ernesto. Now I'm going to review a little bit. Last week, I talked about different stuff, but one of the things was I read the article, All-American Exorcist, in People magazine, which I actually enjoy. It's sort of a guilty pleasure, but I do enjoy it. And um, I had a hard time reading that article. I saw it there. I read some of the highlights. I read a paragraph or two. I looked at the pictures, and I couldn't get myself to read it for a couple of weeks. Finally, I talked to the higher self. They explained some of my resistance and why why it was a hard, I had a hard time reading it, and I cleared all of that, and then I did read it. And <clears throat> as I said last week, <clears throat> there are these three girls who, one of them's father was a reverend who worked on exorcisms, and the girl knew about them, and she and her two friends eventually got into doing exorcisms, the three of them. <clears throat> and you can tell that their heart is absolutely in the right place. They're very well-intentioned. They, they give their services for free, and they really want to help those who are possessed, um, as they described by demons. Um, and they, they didn't go into the article how they did it or what the results were that I recall. Anyway, I don't remember that. But I am sure they did have some successes, but I do know that more can be done, much more. And But I don't think they knew anything more to do, so it wasn't that they didn't they purposely didn't do more. They just didn't know there's more that can be done. And this is why people like me come out over the radio and, and give more information because until we have more information, we don't necessarily have the choice to do more or to uh, see things differently. So that's what it's really all about is the choice is presenting the choice to all of you. Now, <clears throat> when, um, when Joan Culpepper began working on entity attachments back in 1984, the I told you last week that it was some friend or cousin, a, a, a brother or a cousin of a friend of hers was <clears throat> something like that. I have to go and check the exact connection. Had a, you know, a brother or a cousin that was having a lot of problems and was ending up in and out of um, institutions, mental institutions, even jail, moving constantly, never could keep a job. Very, very, very difficult life. And they just couldn't seem to figure out a proper diagnosis. Uh, they couldn't figure out proper medications. They just couldn't, really didn't help them. So finally they went to Joan. And Joan is not a healer, so she had Joe Williams, who is a was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was the healer who, Joan, who the higher self had trained through Joan. Um, so she had him come be part of the part of the process. And Joan would worked as a surrogate. She was the surrogate for the brother, or the cousin, whichever one it was. And she also would bring in higher self information, and she would. Uh, 
talk to Joe, talk to the higher self, you know, explain what the, what the, what the guy was who, um, well, his name was Hugh. I'm just going to tell you, it's not his name now, but his name was Hugh uh, for the purposes of this story. So Hugh was the, the brother of the cousin. And Hugh, so she would see what he's feeling, what he's thinking, so she'd also communicate for him. I mean, I'm telling you, she's one amazing lady. If you watched her, I wish we had film on her, but fortunately, these were the days before the cell phone. And uh, anyway, um, she was amazing. Uh, so when they started, what the higher self did came in and said, the reason why nobody can diagnose him, the reason why he's having all this problems is that he has an entity attached and the entity is named Jane. So the, the whole thing over a series of couple of years, every three weeks evolved, starting with Jane and Q and the higher self approached this attachment problem very differently than the the uh, girls in the article, which is why I had problem reading it because I, you know, the higher self explained that I was so used to and had fully experienced the the process where there is more help, and so. The higher selves, they they didn't just work to free the person in body from the attachment. In other words, the focus wasn't just on helping Hugh free, be free of the attachment that was really wrecking havoc in his life and had for a long time. They worked on both sides. So they worked on healing Hugh and his issues, having been attached, and they worked on Jane the entity that was attached, okay? They did both. They, they explained in great detail what the processes were, what happened with the two souls, their history together, why, they, you know, why there was this attachment. Um, they, they helped us understand why the souls, both of them, did what they did and, helped, and then helped us. They, they instructed Joe uh, on how to heal them, how to help them, and then, and then how to help them help themselves and others. So the healing was with the, all of the souls involved, not just Hugh, the attachee, the human, the in-body human that was being, whose life was being uh, torn apart, really, by Jane's attachment to him. They, they didn't just work on Hugh and forget about the other souls because, in fact, Every soul is equal value. Every soul has worth. Every soul can be helped and healed. Every soul has soul scrambles. No soul is lost. No soul is forsaken. And that's been the approach from the very first time I ever got involved with this. Because I wasn't part of the very early few sessions, but eventually the higher self invited in other people. They started it small because Jane, the, the entity that was attached, she needed to get used to the process before more people and more energies were brought in. So they waited on bringing in others until Jane was ready for it. So that's when we all came in. And so from then on, you know, quite a few of us were present for the, for the groups. And 
the, the sessions. They were every three to four weeks for two years. So there was a lot. And this is the my book, and it's it's just beyond fascinating. But anyway, um, my book when I read, I'm going to start writing. By the way, guys, I'm going to put it out on the on the air so that I'm held to it. But early October, first week in October, I'm going to start. I should have the the small accounting project up and running mostly. I should also have my son will be have helped me and will be sort of very smooth through there. I will have done my traveling in September because I'm going away for just about a week and et cetera, et cetera. I should have those pieces behind me and I will be able to start the book. Yay. Anyway, <laughs> so, but this approach, because I didn't know anything. I was a complete newbie when I started with Joan Culpepper. So this approach is the only approach. I didn't really know about how, you know, how anybody approached possession or anything. Now, the higher selves have talked to us about the difference between attachment and possession, uh, it, it, that it's not the same. But I don't know really what the difference is. We were working with attachment. It looked like possession. It looked very much like possession, po- possession in some, at some point. But I have to get the information about the differences. These girls apparently worked with possession. That's what they called it. But I don't actually know if some of it was possession or some of it was attachment. I don't know because how would I know? Uh, I don't know who they worked on. But in any case, in time, I'm going to get you some information about the differences. And, because it's not also, it's not only um, related to actual living souls. It can also be related to astral energies, and that will be covered in the book as well. I don't know if I'm going to get into all of that on the show. I don't know. But um, there's a lot of stuff. Um, But in any case, I always, right from the start, experience the idea that all souls are equal and that it is about healing both sides. And I talked to you about how I worked on the French terrorist attacks recently. Uh, I had a show on that. I worked equally on the victims of the bombings and on the victimizers. It's just the approach that I've always had because this is all I knew. Now, let me give you another example. I worked on someone relatively recently in, in my meetup group who had had some issues and what I picked up was that he had been sexually abused, heavily sexually abused in some prior lives. I don't know if he had any abuse issues in this life. It was a group. And so that personal piece of information didn't come out. Uh, but while I'm working on the abuse pattern that he had in the prior lives, his abuser came in and the abuser was just full of shame. He was saying over and over again that, that this person wasn't the only person he abused, that he was, you know, it just absolutely is full of shame. So, you know, in my meetup group, I have much shorter healing. So I'm working on the guy who is uh, in the group, but also kept having my attention drawn. And I'm working also on the, the abuser. I'm doing both in a very short amount of time. Find out later that the person I was working on in the group, uh, just the most wonderful gentleman, he was actually upset that the abuser had come in because he felt that his time to get the healing for me at the group had been 
hijacked. And he was very upset and very upset with the abuser for doing it. He felt he'd been abused yet again because he was full on into the hurt and the pain. And it was very difficult for him to wrap his head around while the abuser also is in trouble, also feeling hurt, also in pain, and also needs help. I later had conversations with him and we did another private session and he moved uh, very much into understanding the, but his reaction is normal. It's normal to be upset that the abuser or the victimizer gets any time. We want to, we're angry, we're hurt, we're miserable. We want to attack and blame. Well, you know, at the higher self realm, there isn't right and wrong. There isn't, you know, good and bad. All souls are good. It's about evolutionary process and moving forward and and uh, gaining understanding and just keep moving up the frequency level of evolution and understanding and awareness. So they just see it as part of a journey and it isn't about good and bad. And we've all been victims and victimizers. Okay, we've been both. Uh, we've had tens and tens of thousands of lifetimes, hundreds of thousands of lifetimes. Of course, we've been born into societies where, you know, they've been primitive societies where we were soldiers or whatever, and we, you know, went around, we won the battle and did looting and pillaging, you know, just like everybody else, <laughs> all the other soldiers. So we've been both, and luckily, we didn't give up on ourselves. Luckily, we keep processing that some of the bad feelings we have about ourselves are from some of those lives where we were doing things at the time we didn't realize, we didn't think that, gee, this is so terrible because it was so accepted back in those cultures. But later on, we start to feel shame and blame blame ourselves and, and all of that. So anyway, the higher self explained that the abuser to this guy, the abuser would not have come in if he hadn't given permission for the abuser to come in for the healing because he gave him permission because healing both of them was really the way to go because it, it would, by confronting or being there with the abuser brings up all these feelings, all these uh, issues, all this misunderstandings and, and pain and suffering and all of that, that he's able to heal because the abuser came in. And that's why we, why it happened. He gave permission because it was part of his process to move forward. And in fact, he did a terrific job. He definitely moved to the place where he understood more about the process. He understood more about the abuser. He understood more and, and forgiveness started to come in forgiveness for himself and for the abuser. I don't know that it's 100%, but he definitely took some steps forward. So that's the approach here. That's the approach that the higher selves have always done. They always work on all sides because there isn't any good or bad. It isn't this soul is good, this soul is evolved, this soul is perfect, this soul is deserved, and this other soul is bad, doesn't deserve, needs to be ignored, can't be helped, put them away in some closet somewhere and let them be. It's never like that. And so that's really the difficulty I had with the article is that it approached that one set, one side was evil and the other side, the victims. And, you know, 
it, it didn't know, the, the girls didn't know that the other side isn't really evil. The other side needs just as much help, maybe more, and that they, that the other side is it's as important for them as it is for the one who has the possession or the attachment, whatever. They call it possession, but I don't know for sure. Um, and that's not important. Anyway, so that sort of review of last week and a little bit of expansion on last week. But also, so now I, I want to get back to Jane and company and uh, I want to explain a, a couple of things. I, I want to explain soul aspects. Now, I didn't have that on my little blurb because I didn't know when I was setting this show up that I was going to do it. But I was saying to herself, okay, really, what is it you want me to do? And, and I said, well, this is the perfect time to introduce soul aspects. And soul aspects are fascinating and important. Now, you remember, I'm sure, those of you who listen to me fairly regularly, in the amalgamation, when I have us become one with our pure soul essence light, and the light becomes one with the totality of our soul process, sometimes I throw in the words known and unknown, and sometimes I even say, and there are parts of your soul you're not even aware that you have. (laughs) Um, Even in the fifth dimensional information I've been giving out since January, you now know that you have fifth-dimensional soul aspects. You now know that you're carrying the dual soul nature, but there's elements of the facade soul, the human soul, that you are unaware of, and that's the, the soul aspect. And it's <clears throat> and that's what I want to explain today. And you have to understand it in order for me to explain a little bit more about Jane, because it's so fascinating. Okay, so... Now, when if this is actually true for all dimensions, aspecting, it is the foundation of evolution, okay? But I, and I do talk about aspects, I throw it out, this, that, and the other, but I'm now going to be talking to you about it in the human kingdom, okay? Because that's where we live and breathe. Now, as fifth dimensionals, we've already evolved through the human kingdom into the fifth dimension, and we returned with that facade human soul. I will get to that information toward the end so that you understand, uh, but I want you to understand soul aspects from strictly looking at, at the human dimension, the fourth dimension, the free will kingdom, okay? Now, when we evolve, from primitive man, that when we're, we evolve from animals and we and the human soul is in the primitive level, we are mostly carrying the animal nature. We haven't learned all of the expanded concepts that we take for granted today in the human kingdom. We haven't learned all of those. We are, are at the very lower levels of of understanding what the human nature is about. Now, what happens is the conglomerate human soul that has just recently evolved into the primitive man level sends out aspects of itself in order to get more experience and to learn more. What does that mean? That means that the soul has such a huge journey in front of it in the human kingdom. Huge. It's 
speeds up if it can do some of its learning by aspecting itself out. So when you send out an aspect of yourself, and usually it's multiple aspects, those aspects are part of the conglomerate soul. They, they incarnate on different planets, or it could be the same planet, but often it's a different planet, different solar system, different whatever. Take on a body and go through that life learning. And the conglomerate soul makes a decision what the, those aspects are going to be learning. Maybe you go out to learn more about the material world. Maybe you go out to learn more about the spiritual world. Or maybe you go out and learn more about the, the you know, finances or relationships or career or helping others or whatever it is. You would know when you'd aspect out the soul. And then from the primitive level, it's going to be something very, very basic. It may be, oh, I want to learn how you know develop a certain gift or talent, you know, that sort of thing. And so it could be very, very basic. Or what, what's it like to experience being a woman in this kind of society, in a man-dominated society? Or what's it like to be a woman in a female-dominated society? The parts of what we have to learn are enormous. We take it all for granted now, but it took a long time. I mean, we are, you know, fifth dimensional for the most part of those listening here, but it took a long time as humans for, and all humans to go through the mad, amazing journey, okay? So what happens is you send out aspects of yourself. There's a conglomerate soul. When you evolve into the human kingdom, there's a conglomerate soul. That conglomerate is um, sending out aspects of itself, different planets, different solar systems, could even be this planet. And in fact, these soul aspects are learning at different rate of, rates of speed. Some of the lessons, some of the learning is a little easier in some, for some of the aspects and a little more difficult for others. So you're getting soul aspects that are evolving Frequency-wise, their evolutionary frequency is moving up at a at different rates of speed. Okay, I hope I, see, this is one thing about radio. Nobody is either nodding or raising their hand saying, "Oh, I don't get what you mean." Anyway, it's hard when it's, I'm just saying these things and I don't know what anyone else thinks. But anyway, so they evolve at different rates of speed. Now, these aspects are doing their own thing. And then they do return to the conglomerate soul. Now, the, conglom the, the conglomerate soul is attached to every single one of its aspects. And it knows exactly what's going on. And so whether you're on a different planet or the same planet. Now, time exists. But I want you to understand that some of the aspects are on planets that are in a time period that is prior to our time period. For example, we're going, we're, because it's done by evolutionary time, so we're about to enter the new age. We've been through the infusion of the Christ concept. We've been through the infusion of the, the uh, Egyptian concept, et cetera, et cetera. But you could be on a planet. An aspect of you could be on a planet that is just recently done the Christ concept and has not moved in yet to the, the new age. Okay. The new age is a long way off. So here you are on this planet at, at a time period evolutionarily that is 
getting close to the, you know, to the dawning of the new age. We're close, guys. And you could also have an aspect on a planet that's in a, the past now of this planet, but it's still simultaneously. So you still have a body and an aspect of your soul on that planet simultaneous to the, where you are now, but you are living in two evolutionary different times. You also could have an aspect that's already on a, that's on a planet that's already in the future of the now of this planet. So it's again at the same time right now you have an aspect that's in body on a planet, but it's a planet that is in the future now. This the, the new age has already been infused, and you know there's been a lot of you know journey past the new age that's been around for a long time. So that's that's the thing. So we have aspects that are living, breathing bodies on different planets, or it can also be on this planet, uh, simultaneously. Absolutely. And there's learning going on. Now, how it works for fifth dimensionals, please just hold that question uh, in your mind for now. But now this is what I'm talking about, strictly human souls, okay? Okay. So we're living simultaneously in the now of all the experiences of all of our soul aspects. And many of the things that you go through here on this planet are experienced by, by us based on the fact that we're picking it up from another aspect. Yes, we're connected to our aspects and it can have an effect. You're probably so sick of hearing me say, oh, and then the astral can affect all these things that can affect us. It's not just simply us, you know, walking down, you know, down the street or whatever. We have a lot of things that affect us. And I'm going to give you a story of someone named Heike. Okay. Now, this was back when Joan was working with everything. She had a request from someone, I believe it was someone back east who knew someone else. And, you know, one of those things who was, I believe the woman was the woman back east was in her 40s. I haven't reviewed the hikey story. I wanted to review it before I did it, but this is one of the things I didn't get to this week. But in general, I'm going to give you a thumbnail because I remember the thumbnail really well. This woman had gone into, in her 40s, a period of anorexia. She was losing weight, hand over fist. All of her friends were very upset. The Even the medical community didn't know what to do because she was not in the normal age group. Normally, anorexia hits much younger in the teens or the 20s and here she was in her 40s and she's been fine and then all of a sudden she starts going in this anorexic kind of phase and was really dangerously becoming very thin so this friend of hers who knew Joan or friend of a friend I don't know asked Joan to do a healing so she agreed she called in Joe Williams and they Joan calls in to act as a surrogate for the woman the anorexic woman and in comes the higher self, and they say, well, in fact, the healing today does not need to be done on the woman with anorexia. It needs to be done on one of her soul aspects, and we need to get permission. So the higher self did go and ask permission, got permission. The soul aspect was another aspect of this woman in back east that had anorexia. She was living on another planet, another solar system, and she was eating herself to death. She was stuffing her face. The image that Joan kept getting was just huge cheeks. She hated herself. She hated her cheeks. 
but she couldn't stop it. The, the self-hatred and the desire to die was so great. She literally was eating herself to death. And the higher self explained that the woman here with anorexia was trying to fix it in her own way. She was reacting and trying to help her soul aspect. And the only, because she had nothing in consciousness, so the soul was literally just starving itself to death to try to counterbalance the, the woman, her soul aspect. So what the higher self explained is what we needed to do was, we, and I wasn't present there, but what Joan needed to do was to help heal uh, the woman on the other planet. So that's exactly what they did. <laughs> they went in and they worked on the soul aspect from the other planet. And I don't remember, again, because I did not review the material, I don't remember the information that came out. But in fact, as from what I recall, uh, they may have done, I think they may have done two healings on this. In fact, I do believe the woman here with the anorexia uh, moved out of it. I think she was helped. She did get the help because she no longer needed to counterbalance or try to undo what her aspect was doing. So, yes, we can be affected by our soul aspects. Now, it's not always in a negative way. We can we also are connected and, and positive things. And also, if you have a problem, it doesn't mean that the problem is caused by a soul aspect. I don't know how common it is, but I don't run into it a lot. So I'm thinking it's not that common. The the to me, it probably is a lot, I mean, those kind of big problems. I'm thinking it's a lot more subtle than that for the most part. And so that's just what I'm, what I'm thinking. Uh, but I don't really know. I didn't have time to get information on it. And, you know, there's always questions. <laughs> and as the higher self say, if you have questions, you have the answers. So I just have to find them and I will get them to you. Okay. So. Over various planetary systems, the humans and human aspects are, are working out whatever issues or learning whatever they need to learn in accordance with the evolutionary vibration of the planet that they're on, which is, of course, also evolving. So, again, it could be a planet that's right around the infusion of the higher heart consciousness, or it could be a planet that's around the infusion of the Egyptian concept or some future concept or the New Age concept, whatever it is. The soul aspect is there for the reason that that's the right evolutionary speed for that aspect. So what does that mean? It means that the aspects, if you, I'm not talking the fifth dimensional, but the true human, all of us, when we were human too, the, these, our aspects are evolving at different rates of speed, so, or the human aspect. So some of the aspects are around, they, they are having a hard time getting out of the Egyptian uh, concept, whatever that is, or even the Atlantean or some of the older concepts, whereas there could be other aspects that are evolving very quickly and moving into the future now much quicker. So the aspects that we have are evolving at different rates of speed. And the, uh, the higher self set, gave us an analogy when back, way back when, and I just love it, so I'm going to share it with you. They said the soul is like a slinky. Now, usually we think of slinkies moving down the stairs, but the soul set of the higher selves explained that the soul and all of its aspects is like a slinky moving up the stairs. First of all, there is no backward motion. 
but we have parts of our soul on more than one level. That's the slinky analogy. You know how sometimes those slinkies can be on three stairs at once. I mean, it's very cool when that works. But if you think of it, that the soul aspects are, can be on different levels. It's like a slinky, and they're all in the movement upward in evolutionary frequency. So the, we're, so the human souls are slinking it up the stairs. It's true in the fifth dimension. There are levels in every dimension, fifth, sixth, every, you know, you, I've talked about this, the, the mineral, the plant, the animal, there, there are levels in every, every dimension. And so this slinky effect is true at every dimension. I've explained to you that the fifth dimensional that volunteered to return carrying the dual soul nature, uh, we all have aspects in the sixth dimension. So we have aspects of the same conglomerate soul here in the fourth, in the fifth, and also aspects in the sixth. So this is, again, um, th this aspecting thing is true for everyone. Now, the facade soul is, is a different Anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. So anyway, now all of the human souls that are aspecting out, they come into the first level from moving in from the animal nature. They're in the primitive man stage. All of these souls are aspecting out and going through really eons of time going through the learning process. And some of the aspects stay out for more than one or two lives. Some of the aspects are, have a whole line of lives because they haven't fully learned whatever lesson it is or whatever uh, new understanding or insight or, or part awareness, whatever it is, they haven't reached. So they can go for a while. Um, but the goal is for all the aspects to return to the conglomerate, the conglomerate whole. And there is a process for that. I'm going to explain it in a minute. But once all of the learning has been done at the human level and you've reached that higher state, a human soul has reached that higher state, it moves into the conglomerate, is then ready to move into that fifth dimensional realm. Okay, so that's the goal of all the humanity. Now, what happens when an aspect that has been sent out to learn this, that, or the other learns whatever it's needed to learn. It's now ready to, it's finished its little mini journey, whether it's one life or a number of lives or whatever it is. It, when it lays aside the body, it returns to the next highest level aspect. Okay? And this is important to know because I'm going to explain to you about Jane. Okay? Remember I said every life when we die we lay aside the body, but we take all the experience of that life and it becomes part of the conglomerate soul. Well, it's very similar when an aspect lays aside the body. It, it will lay aside the body and become one with the next highest aspect, that evolutionarily highest aspect, the one that has moved into the higher frequency and will join and become part of that conglomerate aspect. <laughs> In other words, you can send out several aspects and you have them joining one another and you have sort of a partial conglomerate that eventually will become part of the totality of the conglomerate. It's really hard to explain without visual aids. 
you know, it's, it's hard to explain. But so anyway, when aspects are ready to become part of the conglomerate or part of uh, connect with other aspects, it will lay aside the body and move up to the next highest aspect. So, okay. All right. Now let me just, I got to check my notes because this is the part I didn't get ready to explain to you. So anyway, we're living many lives simultaneously on different planetary systems, but they could be in the past, present, or future of the now that we're, you and me are living in right here. Okay. Now, now, when the aspect dies, it goes to the next level. So let's say the soul aspect is on level one, but the other aspect is on level two. Okay. So the soul process joins with the next highest evolved in that line. And then when that one lays aside the body, it will become one with the next highest one in the line. And then this way, you are constantly moving upward, so to speak. All right, so I told you the goal is, the ultimate goal is that all of the aspects combine to become part of the conglomerate whole, and it's no longer got any aspects out there. It's all part of the conglomerate whole, and when it stands complete, it's ready to move into that fifth dimensional, to, to move into the preparation of moving into the fifth dimensional realm. Now, I haven't said anything about that process, and I don't know when I'll get to it, but that's another few shows for sure. Um, anyway. When you think about it, the time doesn't really exist, but it absolutely exists. So, because it's all evolutionary time, so we can be living simultaneously in different time periods. So sometimes we'll think we've been to the future, but it's another aspect line that's been to the future and not our aspect line. Okay? Now, that's where we get all this stuff about, you know, I don't really know, but, you know, that they're multi-dimensions and they're multi, um, you know, we've lived in the future and we've lived, you know, whatever. Keep in mind, there is real time. There is real time by aspect. So, but our aspects can be living simultaneously in different moments of time. I think you understand that, I hope. But time is a really, so that's when I talk about the future now, the forever now moment. And I talk about the future now. And in fact, it's the future now of our soul that our soul has existed in. It is not really the future of this life that we're living right now. It's that our soul aspects have lived in the future now, even could be living there now. We could have soul aspects that are living on a planet that are already ready to take the jump into the fifth dimensional realm. We, you know, we don't know. So that's why there's past, present, and future now. It's not that, I hope you understand, it's time is real. It absolutely is real, but it's evolutionary time. And each line, each soul aspect line or part of the conglomerate soul can be in different time periods all simultaneously. But they're on different planets that are moving through the different time periods according to the planet's evolutionary uh, process. So that's that's the scoop, guys. Okay. Now, 
interplanetaries, for fifth dimensionals who returned. We have a facade soul, okay? Now, our facade soul came in already at the highest level of human. We didn't come in carrying a soul that was brand new human soul, barely out of the animal kingdom. We already, we already have that new soul completely uh, take in the totality of all the human experience. So we came in at a very high evolutionary level. However, as interplanetary carrying the human facade, we had to agree to obey the, the rules and regulations of the human kingdom. And one of the rules and regulations is we have to live in uh, where there's two sexes, um, male and female, because in the fifth dimension, when you process into the fifth dimension, you become androgynous, androgynous. So there had to be a split into the fully male principal soul and the fully female principal soul. And I think I did talk about this early on in this year. I'm not completely sure. Um, if I didn't and somebody wants to know more, please send me an email, Janet at JanetRichmond.com. Uh, send me an email and say, Oops, I've listened to all your shows and I don't remember you ever talking about that. And I'll repeat it because it doesn't hurt to repeat anyway. But in any case, that's one of the rules and regulations. The other rule and regulations is that the human facade soul also is going to be sending out aspects of itself. Okay. Um, so we are sending out aspects of ourselves, but it is not as intense. It is not as significant in a way because it isn't about learning. We already carry all the knowledge, but we come in inexperienced. So, yeah, we send out aspects to experience something, uh, to do learning on that level. We do take on soul scrambles, as you are very well aware of. We make mistakes. We are born into societies and cultures that are limited in nature, and so we, we come away with belief systems that are limited, uh, viewpoints that are limited, perspectives that are extremely limited. limited. Uh, however, a lot of our soul aspects would be and various planetary systems, not only to help us, but maybe we too could help others. Now, the higher selves here, our higher selves are also the higher selves for all of our soul aspects, just to have you clear on that. We share the same higher selves because we're the part of the same conglomerate soul, okay? So we are all um, aspecting out. We all have aspects. Now, all of the interplanetaries on this planet, the higher self, I happen to just read this. I wouldn't have known otherwise if I hadn't reviewed just somewhat of the material. We're all considered capstones, which means we're all at the highest, most experiential level because evolutionarily-wise, we are all the same, but experientially, we, we're carrying the highest rate of conscious awareness, and we're capstones, so that when our aspects lay aside the body, they're going to become part of our conglomerate soul, the capstone. It, okay, so so if they're not, they're not going to become part. They're going to return to us. It, not, if it's not when we lay aside the body, we're going to return somewhere else. We're carrying the highest level of conscious awareness right now. And so the aspects on the other planetary systems uh, are going to be returning to us. Now, I did read Joan... Um, gave some examples and I didn't happen to I didn't happen to uh, focus on them well enough to remember but there were examples that where there was 
oh yeah, I do remember now. One of the gals in our group, her son was would experience every time one of his aspects became one with him. And I don't remember exactly what he experienced, but he would go through a period of discomfort or anxiety or something along those lines. And then um, he would feel much better. And when he went in and got information, when uh, his mom or I don't know, was it Joan? It turned out it was his soul aspect had had been returning. And he experienced it, I think, about three times. There was another example of someone else who experienced it. I have not experienced that consciously. However, I have been in touch with one of my soul aspects. It is a uh, woman on uh, another planet, and she is uh, living in a society that I would call more like um, Tahiti, Fiji, some sort of very tropical kind of place, and it's all about relationships and human and and all of this. And in, in fact, I don't know. She's looking. We've had several conversations over the years, um, and she's looking forward. She's not dead yet, so she's not laid aside the body. But we have talked about, you know, becoming one and all that she's experienced there, um, becoming part of the whole more consciously for me instead of this disconnected. I mean, it's connected. We're always connected, but it is a little bit removed. And once she moves in and becomes one with me, I'm going to take in all that she's experienced. And she's experienced so much about uh, love and loving and family. And uh, it's a very fairly, uh, it's a life with a lot of resources. It's not a no struggle. There's not a lot of hardship. And so they're able to focus in this life on the human relationships. And so it just sounds so wonderful to me. I'm like, hey, I'm looking forward to that. Not that I haven't learned anything or know anything on my own. Of course I do. But it's nice to, to, to know one aspect. I'm sure I have many more, but that's the one that I've, I'm aware of. Okay, now here's the thing. Let's get back to James. Why is this so important about James? Now, just in case you didn't know, by the way, there's no healing today. Nobody requested anything, and I wasn't organized enough to to do a healing, uh, to come up with one on my own, uh, which is usually takes five seconds uh, for me. It's not that it's hard, but I had that phone call, and so those kind of things just didn't get done. But I uh, here's why I want to explain why this aspecting thing is so amazing and how it relates to Jane and company. Well, Jane, <laughs> Jane came in, and she is a soul aspect, and she is part of an unsuccessful soul amalgamation. So what happened? There was, what happened was there were five soul aspects on this line that, that has been aspected out. There was Ralph who was the capstone of these five. So when Jane and Denny and Jake and the fifth name, for some reason I can't think of, when those four were all ready to become one with the conglomerate under the capstone of Ralph, Jane talked them out of it. She didn't want, she was the only female. She didn't want to give up her identity. And so she who's very, you know, uh, bossy, that's the way she was, very bossy and very dominant. She absolutely convinced 
all of the four guys not to do the soul amalgamation. So what happened was Ralph being the capstone, he had the body. He was a stable boy in, I can't remember all the information, so I'm not going to tell you all that. It's just fascinating. But Jane, Denny, Jake, and the fourth one, who I really can't believe I can't remember his name, but in any case, they were, it was like a multiple personality situation, but the higher self were very clear. It wasn't multiple personality. It was an unsuccessful soul amalgamation. And of course, in the book, I'm going to have to explain aspects, and it probably will be done much better than I did on the show because it will be organized and <laughs> we'll have the time to really get the words right. Um, because in order to understand Jane and the four guys, you have to understand this process. And the story about Jane and the four of these, this unsuccessful soul amalgamation is fantastic. Talk about sensational. But that's the scoop. And Hugh was the owner of the manor that Ralph was the stable boy for. Ralph was a stable boy. Jane, Denny, Jake, and the fourth one were all part of Ralph. And the interesting thing was that Jane, you know, Hugh would come in, Hugh, the owner, the lord, would come into the stable to go riding for whatever reason. It was like in the early 1700s, something like that. And he would want to go riding, and he would ask Ralph to get the horse ready for him. Well, Jane falls in love with Hugh. And it's a love story. You're going to love this story because you're going to get to know each and every party, each and every everything about Jane and all these guys and how it happened and how the attachment happened. Jane falls in love with Hugh. Hugh is heterosexual and he's looking at Ralph. He doesn't know that Jane, when Hugh comes in, they don't, Ralph doesn't let the four in too often to actually become part of operating the body because he doesn't want to lose his job. I mean, it's not really a job. It's more like an indentured servant, but but in any case, he doesn't want to, you know, anybody to, so rarely does he let Jane through. But when she comes through, she's flirting with Hugh, and Hugh sees Ralph. I mean, it's just so cute. Hugh sees Ralph. He's heterosexual. He's not gay. He's not interested. But Jane becomes obsessed with Hugh. And so at the end of this life, to give you previews, because you're going to learn this right off the bat in the book, and I can't give away too much. I really can't, because the story is fascinating. But Jane follows Hugh ever since that life, and has been attached to you ever since that life, because she became obsessed with, with, with him out of love. But she was at a fairly low evolutionary frequency level of human, didn't have any idea of what she was really doing, didn't understand the evolutionary process, didn't know that she had kept herself and Hugh stuck in their evolutionary process, had no idea, came out of ignorance, just with her obsession and love with Hugh. And I will give you much more information about that down the line um, 
I just want to see how much. Oh, okay. Um, but I just wanted you to understand the idea of soul aspects, aspecting. It is such an important part of the process of evolution because the evolution through the human kingdom is enormous. It is huge. Things we take for granted now it took eons of, eons of time to move into the human kingdom, uh, at least on this planet and all planets. It takes a really long time. And so what happens is that the soul aspecting process is used in order to actually speed up the evolutionary process. And it's always been used. It isn't something new started when, the, um, when the, there was that decision made to have fifth dimensionals return with the facade soul. Uh, it has already been, it, it started from the, from the beginning. Aspecting is part of every single kingdom. It's done and it looks in a little different way in every single kingdom. And I'm not going to get into that because I'm just not prepared um, to tell you the honest truth. I just didn't have time to review all the material. And I don't want to give something either piecemeal or, um, you know, based on an incomplete memory to recall that a lot of the stuff goes back to the 80s. I have read a lot of the stuff over, and I've gotten a lot of information on my own, but the foundation of the information is really what Joan Culpepper brought in, and it is the foundation of where I go. When she has holes, when I have more questions that she didn't answer, then I bring in my own information, but I've got to start you at the foundation, guys. That I have to start you there, and I want to have, be that, have that as complete as possible, and then uh, when I'm preparing for a show, when they're holes, I go and get that information before I do the show. And, you, and I don't always divvy it up or explain to you which is which part, but that's the way it works. And some things is, is 90% Joan and sometimes is 90% me. It doesn't matter. The point is there's, got, there's expansion. There's always going to be expansion on the information. So... So I told you about Jane. I told you about soul aspects. And you're just you're gonna you're just gonna love the story. I can't wait to begin writing it so that it's really becoming real for me. At just I'm you know, as I said, I'm just overwhelmed right now with, with the things that have been happening. And but that will work itself out over this next month. I will do the traveling that I'm good, I need to do in September. And um, I will get caught up. <laughs> may not be perfect, but then I'll open up that time to begin writing the book. And I, it's practically going to write itself simply because it's a story. It's a story and it unfolds. How exactly I'm going to pull it all together. I'm not too sure, but I don't feel like it's going to take near the amount of time that my second book took. Of course, the second book is about, I don't know, at least 70% of material is mine, came from me. And so, you know, I think I told you, I go out and say, well, you know, I'm writing a book on soul psychology. I better find out more about the soul. And I go out and it took me three weeks and it's 25, at least 25 pages, single space in Word. It's so much information. Who knew it was going to be so much? I've only used about a third of it in the book. So there's two thirds of it I haven't even used. And I have to go back and remind myself what it even was. So it's just the process is a 
one of, you know, more and more expansion, more and more information coming in every day. And the more all of you out there get used to, you know, listening to your own higher self, you'll be able to add to the information too. This is not, anybody can do it. It's not just me. And there are probably many people out there that do do it. I'm just not aware of them because um, I don't really read about other people's information. So anyway, that's the scoop, guys. We are living on different planets. Our soul aspect, we have a body and an aspect on many different planets and simultaneously in different time periods. So we're living in the past nows of where we are now and in the future nows of where we are now. Um, And we've all been through the new age process before. We've already done it because it's fifth dimensional back here. We've helped. I know I've done it four or five previous times where I've been part of the process of moving into the new age and facilitating the graduation process for that planet and the souls that are the human souls on the planet that are ready to graduate. I've already done it for other times. So deep down and some unremembered remembrances, all of us have the knowledge and the understanding. We just doubt that we do or doubt that we can reach it or We can't quite believe it, and so we have limits for ourselves, but the more we neutralize, the more we're going to handle it. Now, with that, I'm actually going to end the show because I don't want to just keep rambling. I want to always, I ramble a lot, and I want to just keep giving you information. And if you have any questions, again, Janet at HigherSouthVoice.com or Janet at JanetRichmond.com. I do get back to all of you. Personally, I also talk about your question on air because if you have a question and there's no silly question, there's no stupid question, there's no uh, ridiculous question, there's no question too small, too unimportant that I can't answer. A lot of times people will write me, oh, I know this is a ridiculous question. I'm like, no, it isn't. So it really won't be. And other people will have it. So it'll help others. If you have any questions about my blabbering on, please let me know. Okay, and with that, I'm going to wish you all a wonderful week. I will be back next week, Um, and I believe the next week after that, I'm leaving on the 14th, which is a Wednesday, so the Wednesday the 14th, I know I will not be on the show, but I will be back. I will be on the show next week and the week after, and then I will be back the, I think it's the 21st, I think. Yeah, I think it's the 21st. I will be back the 21st. So anyway, I love all of you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for motivating me to do this piece of the work that I love. And, you know, I'm just, I just appreciate all of what you do for me, with me. We're in this together. And with that, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints.